Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. Oh, so what do we want to talk about today? I don't know. What do you guys want to talk about? I mean, well, I, I really want to hear how how this last six to nine years of being in uh, quarantine have affected events. Oh right? I, I, I know everyone has, has said, oh, we're, done. We're, we're going online, right? But mm-hmm. this this sounds so easy, but is not easy in any way, shape or form. And, and I'm sure you've been through that a number of times in the last few months. So yeah, yeah, that would be fine. That'd be great to talk about. It's yeah, because we're I mean, it's been extraordinarily busy for our team the last like four weeks just getting ready for the virtual conference. And, and it's just like, the stress levels are like remarkable because I feel like I feel like we're all more stressed out than the physical events because there's just so much room for error uh, with this digital stuff. And there's so many new like components that we're working with that, you know, like not everybody is particularly comfortable with. Let's go back to April, May. What yeah. was the, the first thing that you had to make a major change in? I mean, I, we're all working. We all went to working from home. That might not have been that different for you, but for yeah. organizing a conference, yeah. how did it change things? Yeah, I mean, I think I think luckily, like our team already worked from home, so you know, the trans there there was no transition. There was no you know having to realign like how to function through a work day. But you know, moving the events online. You know, for instance, this happened March, and we had to call off the um, CTI symposium that we were supposed to all fly to like a week prior to Zurich. And, you know, there was an immediate like, oh, well, can we do this online? Can we flip this online? And, you know, the answer was like, we'd like to, but there's just so much stuff going on that between like, right, there's there's bookkeeping, there's cancellations you have to work on, you have to, you have to contact the attorneys and work on language, you know, and then at the same time, yeah, sure, now we have to talk to the infrastructure team and figure out like, okay, what technologies do we have available? When can we have them available? Um, you know, what are those costs? It was, just, it was just a lot of stuff that got thrown at, you know, first, you know, as an organization that, they weren't necessarily planning on, you know, that particular moment. I can say that there has been planning to, you know, present virtual events kind of uh, concurrent to the physical events prior to the pandemic. So it was kind of all in the business plan of things, but not necessarily, hey, let's do it tomorrow. Um, So it's been interesting, but, you know, I have to say like the experience has been quite pleasant. I think that 
speakers and, you know, attendees alike were very accommodating um, in those early months, especially when we had to cancel everything so last minute. And, you know, everybody was scrambling to get airline refunds and hotel room refunds. Um, but, you know, fast forward, we ended up holding that event, that CTI symposium, online in May. So, you know, we, we were able to flip it fairly quick, I think, in terms of timeline. Um, you know, we were able to still engage with the original program committee and many of the original speakers. You know, we were able to get, you know, at that time, we were already using Zoom just for, you know, the, the, the conference call solution, right? That wasn't even a thing that we were doing in terms of like, oh yeah, we needed to get it for webinars or meetings. So we were pretty lucky that we had some of that at our fingertips. Um, while we're kind of sorting through what else we would need to do to plan ahead. Yeah, and then also like the uh, other tools that I think are important, you know, we're, we were trying to figure out communication tools, right? So like, like Slack or, you know, people are using um, Microsoft Teams and like all that kind of stuff. Like, how do you how do you engage your attendees? How do you engage your speakers? How do you like bring back that networking aspect of the yeah. in-person events virtually? And it's been tough. I mean, I feel like everybody's hit their quota of like Zoom meetups and gather meetups, you know, whatever you want to do. But like, it's at the end of the day, it's like, there's only so many people that can talk at one time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like the, I mean, the, with the best technology in the world, it's not it's not always designed for what you want to use it for, right? You're effectively yeah. you, you're jumping on your Zoom call or you're jumping on Skype or whatever you choose to use, and it's it's great for that one to one or one to two kind of meeting. Yeah. Then suddenly you take that step back and say, "How do we get five hundred people in this room?" Yeah. It, does, yeah, it doesn't scale, right? Everyone everyone wants to have their their hand up. Everyone wants to ask a question or the worst case scenario, everyone sits there silently and no one wants to talk, even though you have this huge mass of people in the room. Yeah. And that, that's a funny point because <laughs> we've been, you know, so one of the things with these, with these events is we've been using um, primarily a, a webinar, right? It's a Zoom webinar, which is, which is right. A, a one-sided presentation method. So attendees are typically muted and, you know, we'd give them different features and things that they can use to like raise their hand. Um, you know, but we've been in situations where there have been small groups, let's say 40, 50 people. And we're like, you know what, we're going to go ahead and let people talk. So instead of using like the Q and A function, you know, go ahead and, and raise your hand and it's <laughs> crickets. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk, which is also just, I find it funny because you know when you're at a conference there's you know typically you know there's always somebody that has a question that gets up and you know stands by a mic so it's it's been interesting to see kind of like that dynamic yeah i feel, I feel like there's there's definitely a change of dynamic where people are online and they're in front of a computer and there's that fear of if i was in person maybe i'd i'd ask that question but if we're on a computer and maybe someone's recording maybe this is like I don't know who else is is hearing this. Mm -hmm. I'll just kind of stay quiet, and maybe that's that stunts the, uh -huh. the kind of feedback that you're going to get. Yeah, I mean that dynamic. Like I'll tell you, the first couple of events that you know, so our our team, you know, our job is to you know handle logistics. 
get this all set up and then just moderate, not even moderate, but we're really like the room hosts, right? So we're kind of watching things happen. We're making sure panelists are, you know, all set. So we're answering questions. We have like various chat windows open and, and you know, the added kind of <laughs> pressure of having to do like administrative notes at the start. It was very scary. <laughs> I was having like a panic attack because there's just so many things like don't talk too fast and then see your words and don't forget to do whatever, you know, controls that you need to click. So, you know, we have to record sessions, you know, all of that stuff is just like kind of in a checklist in your brain. And I've had moments where I've done them all, but like maybe 30 minutes into a talk, I like <laughs> legit have a panic attack about the record button. And I'm like, ah, I did it. Okay, it's recording. Um, you know, a lot of those features are. <laughs> oh, you, are you, are you, you finally look at the chat and there's a thousand uh -huh. people saying, I can't see the slides, but you're half an hour in already. <laughs> you know, thankfully that's been, that's been pretty good. So we've been able to mitigate any, you know, major issues, you know, like going back to recording, you know, in, in particular with like Zoom, and I'm, I'm sure this goes for any other, you know, webinar tool, but, you know, you can set these automatic recordings up, but, you know, we're actually in these rooms ahead of time in practice sessions, you know, we're working with the speakers to make sure that they're good to go, that, you know, they don't have any weird things in their backgrounds on camera. <laughs> You know, there's been situations where maybe their background image has been flipped. So we have to make sure that that's all set correctly. Um, and then, you know, with Zoom, you know, it's it's basically the speakers that are controlling their slides. So, you know, thankfully, we've been able to do a lot of that testing before we let people into the room. So that has been running pretty smooth. And, and I don't want to jinx it because we have the conference well, <laughs> coming up. And Tracy, I mean, you mentioned that you, you, your team had been primarily remote. Um, Chris, you and I both work for companies that are have a, a huge amount of, of remote and online working from the get-go. Um, so I know that in, in the case of Akamai, we we had almost everything set up. There were some, some hiccups at the start, but uh, I'm sure Google was the same. Um, but when it comes to something like a conference, my concern would have to be, what are you what are you doing for, what do you do for the speakers who are used to getting up on stage and actually being able to see the audience actually being able to change some of their actions and some of their some of their mannerisms because they're making eye contact because they they're seeing that people are interested and now all of a sudden any of those um, cues that you might have for giving a presentation are gone I mean, I personally have to have somebody to talk to in this situation. I mean, when I do webinars, I have to have a partner or, or two just so that I have somebody who's giving me an idea of, of how my, my tone and everything is going. How do you do, mm -hmm. do that for some of the speakers that are, are brand new to this? Yeah, it's, that is absolutely a challenge. And you know, to that point too, you know, kind of like comment about being just like having a panic attack is it's scary when you're just talking to yourself in a room and you know that there are people listening. <laughs> so, you know, we do, we kind of just remind, we, we, we send out these 
pretty lengthy emails. Um, I think we're kind of known for sending very thorough email communications to speakers. Um, but we we throw in the tips in there, you know, about, you know, keeping, you know, your cadence and a clear voice, um, being calm, you know, just practicing in the room you're going to be speaking in. Um, but there really is like nothing that we can do you know, live to help them focus other than, you know, I'm chatting with them on the back end, like if I notice something or if something happens. But, you know, to that point, they also have to be paying attention to, you know, the little chat notification box, right? <laughs> but, you know, they're supposed to be paying attention to their slides. So, you know, they can't, they can't do multiple things. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been interesting. I mean, thankfully, you know, we've had, We've had really great speakers thus far and everybody's been, you know, I think has been presenting their materials um, very clearly, very concisely. You know, another thing too, is that we've, we've had to shorten a lot of the talks to about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, um, you know, just to make sure that we don't, we don't lose the audience as well. Right. Cause I think everyone kind of is aware of what the attention span typically is these days for everybody. <laughs> that's about, you know, 20, 30 minutes. You go into 45 minutes to an hour and you start losing people. Um, I, kind of, I kind of feel like that was always the case, but I mean, oh, I, sure. I get it. Certainly with, with online <laughs> stuff. I, yeah. I think there's two points is like, I think people are a lot more forgiving now because everyone is aware everyone is in this difficult situation suddenly you're you're doing a presentation from your parents bedroom or something right this is this is the way life works and and i think people are more forgiving of stuff that it's trickier and it's harder to do chris but why are you giving presentations from your parents bedroom because that sounds like a personal experience uh, <laughs> it does doesn't it well let me tell no no but you know what i mean it's like you, you never know where you're stuck right effectively you know i i have meetings on a regular basis where i see people they're sitting in their bedroom right this is like they did not plan that this is going to be where they work full-time for the last six to nine months but it's just where you end up right yeah um, it's and and i but i also i agree i mean people are they have a lot shorter um you know attention span when it comes yeah. to presentations, it's like, I, I don't need to be here. I can mute and go in the other room and make a coffee and come back. And it's not going to be insulting to the speaker because you can't see me because my camera's turned off. So mm -hmm. you, know, you, have to, you have to keep it snappy, right? You never know if people are really there or are they just dialed in and, and muted while they do their email. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, same thing goes too um, with like the, the, the topical material, right? Like at first and a lot of other security organizations is, you know, you, you just can't present. So right, someone walks away because they have, they have their sound up and, you know, we don't know where they are. They could still be in the office. Maybe they have other people, but you know, like the, the, the online events have really made it a challenge to present, you know, any, you know, anything above TLP green really. Right. So one of the challenges that we've had right with with the programs that we've been putting on has been to talk to the speakers and panelists about you know converting their materials to something that's public facing um and that you know you're not going to be afraid to have someone else hear it and share it so it's it's interesting yeah because you just again it's the same thing you just you don't you don't see what's going on on the other side of the room you don't know if they're recording it 
So Tracy, one of the the big things that my team uh, uh, and my company has been really, really upfront about is taking care of our own mental health. I mean, COVID-19 has been a a horrible thing for everybody, no matter whether you're affected or not. Um, But the stress of living in this new environment is just a a huge thing for everybody involved. Um, And... How is FIRST dealing with it? How is is the FIRST um, board of directors and just general FIRST members dealing with it in in regards to the conferences? And as one of the people organizing this, how are you having to change your your work um, modes to deal with this? I'll I'll give you an example. I'm taking this week off. Um, I've had to tell my people uh, that work for me, take the time off. I want you to take mm-hmm. extra time off because we're all stressed out. I don't know about you, but I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you know, first is in an interesting position, right? So, so for those of you that don't know, the board is right. All volunteers. So they do have day jobs, um, you know, and they've been, there've been lots of really great internal discussions, you know, feeling shared thoughts shared about the whole pandemic um, and just about, situational awareness for everybody and what they're doing, right? So there's a lot of information sharing amongst the board and even within, um, right? So I'm privy to the Slack channels, um, the, the, the public channels where the members are discussing. And there have been some really, you know, good conversations here and there scattered about, about what various companies are doing, about what, you know, resources people are looking to, to, you know, help them get through this. Because yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's, it's a, it's like a mental dump, this whole situation. But yeah, I mean, our, our team, you know, we, we had to kind of redo our work days, right? We had to kind of figure out what our work days look like, right? Our team works for a handful of other organizations and, you know, obviously, you know, we had to cancel these events and we had to help these clients get out of their, their, um, commitments as well with venues and things. So, you know, at the start of the pandemic, we were all quite busy. We were working with the venues, you're working with attorneys, you know, going through contractual language, um, you know, just trying to make sure that, you know, right, we we could get them scot-free. After all that was said and done, you know, we kind of went into a weird slump of not having things to do. (laughs) So, it was weird because we all are, we're all type A personalities. So it's just not even like a thing for us not to sit down at our desk first thing in the morning and have a routine and like go through things. But, you know, we're getting to a point where I think, I think just in general to everybody, the pandemic really threw everyone off. So it was just a lull for a couple of weeks where email was dead, conversations had dropped and you know, I found myself just sitting at my computer kind of like, well, what can I work on? What can I do? I'm going to do something for three hours and then I'm going to call it a day. <laughs> for me, having conversations with my team, you know, we we have internal staff meetings and it was a, you know what, guys, everybody just pay attention to yourself, pay attention to your families and, you know, put together a routine. Um, 
and, and decide what hours you're going to be at your computer and what hours you're not going to be at your computer so that I know, uh, take time off. I mean, yeah, that's the big thing is like, nobody's taking time off because, you know, we're home anyways. And then also, you know, spouses and partners are also home and nobody's really able to do anything. So everyone's just like, I guess we'll just work <laughs> even though there's nothing to do. Yeah. We, um, I saw the same kind of thing with, with our teams where it's like people are, that uncertainty of well I'll, I'll hold my i'll hold my vacation because i'll use it later in the year because it'll all be fine in later in the year and then you start to hit the later in the year and it's it's not fine and, yeah. and you haven't taken anything for like four months you've just sat at your desk doing doing your day in day out and thinking it'll be fine by by christmas i'll still go home at christmas mm -hmm. and i think people have finally started to realize now this is this is not going to happen you should take that time because you need it Right. And then I've right. started to see people taking it now, which is, I th I'd like to have seen them taking it a few months ago, but it's, it is what it is. I mean, I, I actually forced some of my teammates to, uh, to take time off. I, I encouraged some that I couldn't force to take time off um, because even just in some of the conversations we were having, you could tell that the stress levels and the ability to get stuff done was getting really high. Um, and that they were not being effective at their job because, hey, you, you get up in the morning, you walk into a, a, another room or you sit at the edge of your bed, you start typing emails, three, four, eight hours later, you're you're still there, you you quit for the night and, and you've never left the house. You you haven't taken 2,000 steps in the day, let alone 10 or 12. Um, you've, mm -hmm. you've, you haven't gotten your exercise in. I mean, I know that... Um, I'm one of those people. I've gained a lot of weight since the beginning of this whole thing. Quiet, Chris. Uh, but <laughs> I think it's because of lack of movement, but maybe it's because of comfort food as well. What is the biggest thing you've learned, Tracy? I mean, what do you think uh, uh, that you've learned, not just for um, first, but for yourself as well? Um, I, I think that I learned that I, I just have a lot more resilience than <laughs> I think I thought I had. So that's a, that's a positive thing. But I mean, I guess I've, I've just learned that, you know, it's, I, I can remain calm in situations, which maybe I guess that isn't something I, I learned, but well, you're so much better than I am. <laughs> maybe, then. maybe it's just an unfortunate, like side effect of event planning is that you've always are constantly under some weird, level of stress, right? Because <laughs> there's so many things that have to go right and so many people that you have to please. Like it's not, it's not a good job. Um <laughs> you really think about how it is. You're really selling it. You're really selling it's, it now. Yeah. It's re it's really not a good mental health job. Um and, and maybe that's the weird side effect of the job is that like I I I I react pretty calmly in some serious situations. Um it was like when I cracked my leg open a couple of years ago, I flew off a snowmobile and I got 16 stitches. And like every time they kept on asking me, like, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> it's not the worst fine. thing that happened to me this it's, week. It's fine. It's not the worst thing. And it really didn't hurt, by the way. But um, yeah, it was, it was a funny thing. I was in this ambulance and <laughs> my leg is appearing. I couldn't, I couldn't look at it. I was like, oh, I'll look at it. But uh, I'll show you the scar next time. But it's on my knee. And I, I just like wide open gash <laughs> and yeah the the ambulance paramedic was like 
I think he thought that maybe I was going into shock, but I was like, no, I'm really okay. And it doesn't hurt. It just like, it feels awkward. And I'd like to go get it fixed as soon as possible. <laughs> These are all so. reasonable things, right? He's like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at it. I just want it to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say for my team, I think that, I think that they've had really a pretty good experience um, for themselves over the last few months and, and really a huge learning curve, right? So I think at the start of this conversation, you know, right, there's a lot of stuff now that we're utilizing. There's a lot of technologies. There's just a lot of, a lot of different moving pieces. And, you know, event planners are not typically people that have technical backgrounds, right? I mean, it's, it's not really a thing. And, and, I'm the oddball out, right? So I, I have a computer science background. I've been an engineer, like I've, I've could do some things. Um, and so like application, you know, applications don't freak me out necessarily. I'll figure it out. But, you know, I've had team members that have had to like, you know, go from only ever being a, a meeting participant on Zoom to having to manage everything. Um, you know, talk about like comfort zone outside their comfort zone, let alone managing that, having to now be kind of thrusted into these other chat programs too that they're not really familiar with and like paying attention to Slack, paying attention to email, paying attention to Zoom, paying attention to, you know, whatever, if we're internally texting each other, I mean, there's just so much going on. Um, and, and I think that out of all of this, they're, they're all pretty, um, I think, proud of, of kind of all the skills that they've had to pick up, which I guess is great for the future, because I feel like this is probably, you know, even post-pandemic, um, I think we've all essentially normalized hybrid events. I think it's kind of the way of the future. Uh, <laughs> now that everybody's been like thrusted into this technology, I think that we're still gonna have an avenue or an opportunity to, to continue to provide program materials online, live streaming, you know, to, to people that aren't necessarily able to, to travel to a first conference or, or you know, what, what their budgets look like and, and like things like that. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of planning that I think we'll be doing for the future um, around using this technology and streaming. I also say it's a, it's an interesting change because I remember a couple of years ago trying to record like the 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 initial kind of keynotes and just try and get audio of the keynotes shared and that was that was at the time kind of pushing the boundaries so it's nice to see that that first are kind of maybe being thrust into that future and, and taking a, a stand mm -hmm. and moving in that direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we still have to be right. I just I think it's the nature of the beast, right? Like cybersecurity, we just have to be cautious about what's being presented, who's in the room, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of that is, you know, top of mind for planning programs in the future. You know, how do we how do we have a good mix of programming that we can release publicly and what you know is uh something that you keep internal so yeah i think there's a lot of conversations around that i i personally just miss being able to sit across the table from somebody and have a couple of drinks and, and just talk 
till one or two in the morning and not necessarily even about security, but get to understand some of the people. And I, I don't care how good these, um, these meeting rooms are. It's not the same as sitting on a cabana um, in Puerto Rico or sitting on, on the edge of a, of a castle wall in um, mm -hmm. Edinburgh um, or going, finding a local bar to drink at just being able to have that face-to-face -face time that's a that's a huge loss in this environment i don't think you can replace that in any way shape or form yeah i agree um i've had many previous clients friends ask me you know what are you guys doing and you know my answer is i just i just don't think you can really recreate a networking situation virtually uh, with the same effect, right? It just really isn't the same. We have some sponsors that have wanted to do, you know, uh, cocktail tasting events, beer tasting events, you know, they're fully hosted, but again, you know, it's not really, it's not really networking per se, right? You're, you're basically just joining a class with an instructor who's just telling you what beer to drink next. So <laughs> there really isn't a, a networking aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, that's the one thing, like we just, we really miss interacting with people. I mean, you could imagine on an annual basis, how many people like our team has to talk to and deal with, and it's just been like a lot less. I bet you if I, could, I would love to know like my word usage or my word count for the year this year versus a year when we're at a you know, a regular work year, a non-pandemic conference year. You'll start losing the words if you don't use them. Uh, yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm having a lot of those moments lately where I'm like, oh, what words am I trying to use? <laughs> so what does this mean to you for the future of conferences? And, and I mean, because I know that uh, um, again, my company is, uh, there are certain conferences we've decided it's just, we might go back to in 2022 or 2023, but 2020 and 2021, it's just not worth the yeah. effort. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the same thing that we're discussing at first right now, you know, right now, the obvious answer is no, there are no in-person events being hosted in quarter one or quarter two of next year. You know, the big question, we've had so many of the members and just general attendants email us and like, oh, don't cancel June. And we're like, we can't control that, but we'll do <laughs> everything possible to try to see if we can have something safe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a very challenging time. I have had a couple other uh, clients reach back out to me just recently within the last couple of weeks that were interested in talking about quarter four. So it's very small events um, at that, but you know, they're, they're itching, they're itching to have some, you know, in-person engagement again soon. We're kind of in the middle. We think we're, we're like optimistic, but we're also pacifistic <laughs> about like the reality. Cause you know, a lot of it too, it's, it's really not up to an organization or, or to their event planners. It's up to the local government. It's up to the venue, um, you know, right up to the point where we finally made the decision to pull the plug on Montreal, the physical, um, because we were going to have, we were trying to reschedule it for November, but you know, 
come June, I think was when um, their team finally got back to us with their guidelines and recommendations. You know, basically they were like, yeah, so you could have like 294 people max and they have to be in one room and you can't have breakouts and we'll probably need to do box lunches and they'll probably need to have assigned seats. And, you know, so to that point, it was kind of like, oh, guys, this it's, it's like jail. <laughs> we're, invi- we're inviting people to come to jail and pay for it. Cool. Um, you know, it just, it just wasn't an experience that would be fitting and would be right to put on. And, although, and quite frankly, although I feel like, I feel like after being inside for nine months, I would still go. <laughs> I'm sorry. In retrospect, right. That would be a lot of fun by now, but yeah. So, so we have a lot of, of that, that we have to deal with um, and, and right the government restrictions. And so the United States is not doing so hot. We're not, we're not invited to a lot of places right now. We, even the States, like we can't, we can't go in and out of States, you know, recommended, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what those guidelines are, what those recommendations are, you know, quarantine procedures. I mean, those are just things that aren't realistic, right? You can't have an event, even in quarter three, quarter four, and, you know, the local government saying, well, if you come into this country, you need to quarantine for two weeks. Well, okay, who's paying for that? You know, the company's not going to pay for that. Like, they're not going to pay for that. Are you going to sit in a hotel room for two weeks so you can go to a conference? So that means you're out, out for like three, three weeks. So, you know, it's, it's a very interesting time to see how these things change. I think, I think a lot of the testings are going to be available that might change the game, um, the rapid testing, but yeah, so we're, we're, we remain optimistic, but, uh, you know, um, tending towards the side of, you know, realism <laughs> as well. So, so maybe that future is smaller events, right? So maybe Q1, yeah. Q1, Q2, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's not going to be one big event. It's going to be a couple of small things, right? Which is right. easing back into it, which I think is yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. I agree. I agree. And that's, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a, you know, if we can get local teams, local members that are allowed to gather safely, you know, we could do some type of, um, you know, again, that's a hybrid event. We could do something regionally where a handful of people are safely able to meet together and we can still do, you know, stream in speakers. We can stream in people, other attendees, you know, to the event. It, it still makes for an awkward time <laughs> and, and, and right. There's still not going to be real networking for those that are being streamed in, but it's something the baby steps. I think, I think everyone's just, yeah, we got to, we have to attack this pandemic and we have to, you know, everyone's going to have to take some time easing back into their comfort zone. Right. I mean, traveling on a plane. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't imagine that right now. No, nor could I. I mean, so I'm kind of looking at this, uh, looking forward and, and trying to think of what is it that I miss the most and, and travel, not necessarily being on planes or even worse, being in airports. I, I miss the travel a lot and being able to go to someplace I've never been and just wander around. And that's, just, I think, just admit it. You miss me the most. Just admit it. Yeah. Something like that. Um, <laughs> But I, I mean, that's, that's what I, even, even outside of work, once this is all over, I mean, it, let's, let's be honest, it's, it's early November when we're recording this, people may not hear it till January or later. 
Um, but I, even from where I'm at, I'm in Orlando, Florida. I, I miss being able to go, Hey, let's go up to Georgia or let's, let's just go someplace. That's not the inside of my house for a day and, and see someplace I've never seen before. I used to travel so much and, and that I would, wouldn't go more than two or three weeks without traveling somewhere. And now it's been, like Chris said, nine months. Actually, it might be closer to almost a year since I've done any major travel um, of February, RSA. And uh, I, I just, I really miss it. I, I'm getting, I love my wife. I love my children. I'm getting tired <laughs> of them being the only people I see. Did they just come into the room and now you feel like you, you, you need to say this? No, no, no. One of them's off at college. The other one's in her um, in her apartment upstairs uh, um, at the other end of the house. So, no, they're far away. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I haven't been on it. Yeah, February. February is the last time. And, and how bittersweet. We were, our last, our team's last trip was Montreal. We were making all of our final arrangements, working with the vendors for June. <laughs> i mean i guess you got to see montreal so and yeah you know in snow (laughs) it was basically like chicago (laughs) but yeah it was uh it was we we were pretty sad we were very bummed about it it was kind of as things became more and more real you know we were very much like this is not gonna happen guys so yeah i think my my last I think my last trip, I, I unfortunately saw you, Martin, because um, we were both <laughs> in San Francisco um, for, for B-Sides. And I flew back as they were flying in people from Japan uh, who, who came from the cruise ship. And my girlfriend flew back from Japan at the same time. So we, we both crossed paths with people who were flying back uh, who had COVID. So we, we went into quarantine about two weeks before they actually quarantined Switzerland. So we, I feel like we're two weeks ahead of most people in, in the team that, that I work with. So when I start to see other people deteriorating, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm two weeks ahead of that. So I must be really bad. When was the last time you wore pants, Chris? <laughs> what, what are pants? <laughs> Um, trousers. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're English. Trousers. Trousers. Oh, there's a reason why there's no video on uh, on, on this podcast. So <laughs> I'll leave it there. Ah. Thank you for listening to the First Impressions podcast, and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at. Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org, F I R S T D O T O R G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening.